Hey everyone, it's Jen, your favorite nerdiqua, and welcome back to my podcast, Rocking Your Bald. Today, Samuel Piku stopped by to rock his bald and share his story. Samuel is a well-known musical artist, advocate, volunteer, and author. He has a new published book entitled Beyond the Cover. We are diving into his book and discussing the unlikely brand alopecia and how that took him on an unexpected journey. Thanks for listening and enjoy. I asked all of my guests the same question, which is, when did you and alopecia become BFFs forever? <laughs> when I was two years old, um, I, I was diagnosed with alopecia. Um, I think it was my, my grandmother was giving me a bath, and I was just so young, but she started noticing as she was washing my hair that my hair was falling out, and she had never seen anything like that, and so... What she began to do was she went to my mom and then my mom to my dad and, and they just were instantly like just worried, you know, because they had never seen anything like that before. And so what ended up happening was that took me to the doctor. They said um, they didn't honestly know what it truly was, but they had heard that it might be alopecia. So they took me to multiple different doctors and finally found out that it was alopecia universalis and there's no cure for it. And so that there is treatments. And so my mom would take me to different treatment places with my dad. And, and, you know, I began to try that. And then as I got a little bit older, I would say alopecia became something that I just began to like, okay, except this is something that I have. I would say probably once I turned probably around like 16 or so, 16 or 17, because at that point I was doing music. I was using it as like, this is my look, this is my story. And and using it to inspire people. So I would say that's really the age that it really began to sink again. One of the things I loved in your book, first and foremost, not only do you drop bars in your music, you drop bars in your book in the first 20 pages. <laughs> I'm reading through your book and I'm like, there's so much to unpack in just the first 20 pages. I keep talking about the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Like, First and foremost, you I hope you have a list of all the bars you drop for t-shirts because you have so many t-shirt sayings in this book. <laughs> Alopecia is my trademark. Months passed and classes ended, seasons changed, but I pretended. I mean, just yeah. t-shirt, t-shirt. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't feel when I was reading your book, one of the things that both as someone who is walking through an alopecia journey with you in life, but also as a woman is your transparency, your vulnerability, and just mm -hmm. the self-awareness you already have and experienced very early on. Because another quote in your book, in the introduction that I really relate to is 23 years doesn't sound like much, but I have lived a bigger life than most my age, thanks to opportunity. And I really relate to that, not only in the alopecia journey, but then other aspects in my life that I've walked through. Can you talk about that a bit more as far as what you've lived through, but not only with alopecia, because you experienced a lot of bullying growing up as I did and how that really impacted you? Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely did. And I think bullying obstacles that come our way, you know, they can be difficult to work through. I, I think as, if we begin to see the obstacles as an opportunity, then what can begin to happen is the years that we've lived on this life can start to be double. And we can start making the most of the experience we've had and the experience we don't have. And so what I've learned is, you know, and, and I was listening to this book by um, Ryan Holiday, and he was talking about how the obstacle is the way. And mm -hmm. I love it because it's, 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 so, it's so contradictory to some people that have been beaten down by the obstacle or are still trying to overcome the obstacle. But when we understand that the obstacle is just a problem and we have brains, we're smart, we can learn how to problem solve, you know, we can discover what we can change and what we can't change at the fork in the road, at the obstacle or opportunity, and we can begin to grow. And as long as we begin to grow, we've made the most of that obstacle and now it has truly become an opportunity for us. Um, and so when I look at something like the voice, when I look at something like bullying or when I look at something like you know, even my parents divorcing at the time that they did. And, mm. you know, myself, I already had felt insecure. But then something like this rocks me. What do I do? What do I have to do? I have to assess. Okay, it's an obstacle. Okay. 
what can I do about this situation and what can I not do? Let me go ahead and give to God what I can't do and release yeah. that. And then let me focus and be responsible for how, what I can do, which is how I react to that situation. That in itself, that's a journey because one of the things that you talk a lot about in your book is how you've had different encounters with God growing up and how mm -hmm. each encounter really changed you. And the sermon where you started hearing about um, David and that scripture, and it just seemed like that was such a big catalyst for you in your growth, both oh. as individual and in your spirituality. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I, I, I love how, and that's, I think, something that a lot of people kind of get wrong about religion with Christianity, you know, like yeah. people really focus on, on like the people not treating them right at church, or maybe it's people not representing Christianity right. Because a lot of times it can be, oh, you know, um, you don't look the part, so you can't be a leader for God, or you don't look the part, so, you know, we're not going to accept you even here in church. And so, but God looks at the heart. God looks at our hearts. And what's so cool is he looks at our hearts, but he also has a plan for us. And David went on to become a king. And each one of us is meant to have influence. You know, we're meant to have influence. The Bible says the wise win, win friends. And so those who are problem solvers, which are the wise, you know, as we overcome these obstacles, there's always a reward. There's always a reward. And just like how God looks at our hearts, if we begin to assess our hearts and really see, okay, how am I viewing these obstacles? How am I viewing these opportunities? We can really make the most of them. And alopecia, it's, it's something that we can't control. But again, we can control the way that we react and, and how we allow it to define us. This is just something that has happened to us. It's not our identity, right? And yeah. when it doesn't become our identity, now we can actually be a person. We don't have to link our personality and our reactions and our emotions to what has happened to us. We can just be in the separated. And if we need to go there, we can go there and minister and help people and help mm -hmm. them see, you know, an obstacle as an opportunity. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it, is, it is something that has happened to us. And we're not saying it's light, but we are saying, I recognize it but I'm still moving forward. Yeah, and what you talk about is how that's a choice in your book. Again, that all comes from growth, taking the time to what you did was evaluate yourself at different moments in your life. And one of the things that had the greatest impact on you was your family and the family structure. And mm -hmm. one of the things I noticed with you, and I actually recently did an episode with the women of Baltaraj, which is a alopecia support community. We actually discussed community and it was one of the first things I noticed with you was how initially you had your community of family. But then when you moved out to, I forget the town you mentioned in California for the Christian Academy you went to, you got a new community that was on another level for you. Yeah. How has those two different levels of community impacted you as an individual? Because you talk a lot about your family and how that was such a foundation for you and how it helped you go through the bullying aspect but then you come into this new community and your music gifting just explodes from that mm -hmm. point forward oh yeah for sure well what's cool is like the music has has been there behind the scenes with my family with my mom with my dad they would always take me to like vocal lessons my dad got me a studio so i would be able to work on music i would write music um, you know that was always something big for me but it didn't really start coming out until I had gone into the other community. I started joining choir. I started, you know, jumping into playing guitar and singing at my church. And little by little, I began to gain influence with people. And it started to show me like, okay, you know, I'm gifted. Like, I'm not just left like this. There's a purpose to my life. There's momentum and movement to my life. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about community, whether it's in a small setting with your family or whether it's a big setting with a school or maybe even um, a group of people is is that the benefit is if you look at nature and you see these different cattle that come together and if you look at like those animal planet shows where it's like the, the, the jaguar or the lion is coming after these cattle and and it's like just running around and the cattles are like running away they run in a, um, a community and where the calves are is the calves, the little baby cows, their cattles, they're inside the big group of adult cattle and they're being protected. And so you get this picture of these different communities. And sometimes we can be like the cattle, so young, maybe so innocent, 
And if we don't, if we choose to stay with the bunch and stay with the cat, the community, then when these lions or when these insecurities or when these obstacles or when these bullies or when these things come against us or ideas or thoughts that we're not worth it because we look different or we're casted out or anything tries to come and take us out. If we stick with that community, that good and protective and loving and caring community, then what happens is that we're not led astray and now we're not the odd man out and now we can't be taken out. So as long as we stay with the community and don't end up alone, you know, and how do we stay with the community? Well, that's where we come out of our shell and we start sharing, hey, I have alopecia. This is what I have. And we don't leave people with questions. And that's why alopecia awareness is so important because, you know, you're able to share your story that's attached to the alopecia. And then now people can get to know you. They can begin to build a relationship with you. You can help lead them in things. They can help lead you in things. And that's that community. So I love the illustration you just used with cattle because that's so important because I find it very funny with your story and thinking about my journey. And of course, with God in the mix going, I'm going to push you out of your comfort zone. Go that way. Right. Just the opportunities that have opened up because I feel like with the community I'm in, women who also have alopecia, the opportunities that have come from that, um, that, yeah, some of it is linked with alopecia, but then as were other giftings that I've been given. Mm. I, I've never imagined doing some of the things I'm doing now. How do you feel about that with your character and your gifting with your music? Because one of the things you talked about from the get-go is music. Born in Louisiana, so I'm sure you already <laughs> surrounded <laughs> I great music from the womb. Oh, yeah. That had yeah. a great impact on you. Did you ever foresee yourself in this place in your life? That's a really good question. I, I never did. I never did. I, I didn't until, until really the voice, but I never knew what it would truly look like. For me, I, I was always trying to, I always thought that I had to separate religion and how I'm, how I'm looked and how I looked with alopecia. And that the, how I looked at the alopecia, I knew I wanted to inspire people. I knew I wanted to help people um, because that's just my heart. I want people to feel it, feel okay. I want to encourage people. And if I can help in any way, that's what I want to do. But I knew that heart had come from what God gave me. Yeah. So I also knew I was gifted with music. I wanted to see how they were all going to work together. Music, God, and the inspiration of what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And. I started to see a little bit after the voice. I went to NAF and got to speak multiple times. I was like 17 or 16. And I was like one of the keynote speakers. So cool. Um, And I got to speak there. But the change was only to a certain point. Because I couldn't exactly give them exactly what I had. Because it was more of an event that was taking place to bring awareness versus more of like, hey, there's everlasting change, which is something that I had experienced through God. Right. So I think where it all comes together, the giftings, the inspiration, and God is faith. And that's something that everyone can come in agreement on, is that we need faith, that this life is a climb. And if we don't have faith, we don't have hope, we're never going to make it to the top and over the mountain. And so I'm, I'm reminded of even that story, the little engine that could. Mm-hmm. And the little engine, he's, he's saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And as he's saying this, he's beginning to climb that mountain and do it. He's never done it before. And this is an encouragement to everyone listening. If you can have the faith, if you can have the hope, if you can speak to speak over yourself, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. You can overcome any obstacle or any mountain or any trial that may come against you that you may have not overcome before. And I want you to know, continue to listen to this podcast or any other podcast that has to do with what you may be going through at this moment. And this is just a message to our listeners, but I want you to understand that when you overcome that mountain, that you become a person that you've never become before because you've done what you've never done before. And so you have to understand that faith is going to help you grow. Faith is going to help you overcome, but it starts with our attitudes and our attitudes determine our altitudes. And so I believe that, you know, whether you have your faith in God or whether you have your faith in helping somebody else or whether you have faith in, hey, I'm gifted and I want to encourage people. You know, either way, you know, for me, it was my faith in God that truly got me through. But for you, it may be, hey, I just, I need to get through this right now. I'm open to learning more about God. 
But I think right now, I just need to get through what I'm going through because I just had alopecia. Yeah, I would tell a story. I, I met this um, this pastor's wife. Her name is Lisa. And I was just on their podcast about a week ago. And, um, you know, she she didn't know how to tell her church that she was going through what she was going through. She's, she's newly, newly, you know, diagnosed with alopecia. And I was able to meet with them and go over my story. And, and they were able to tell their whole church on a whole podcast about everything that they've been through. And that's her community. Wow. And so it may be difficult for you to share in your community, but that's what a community is for. It's for trust. It's for vulnerability. And if you've had your heart broken before or hurt before, just step out and trust and, and do it one person at a time. Look for those that are serving you, that care for you, that ask you questions like, how are you doing? That, that choose to look beyond maybe something you may be going through and see you in the middle of it. And so that's just some encouragement, but I wanted to share. No, thank you for that. And it's reminding me of something you talk about in your book. I think it's on page 11 where you say, most people never took the time to get me. And those who only look at the surface never knew there was a much deeper part of me than what was visible. I think that that's re ringing and true with what you say there. And one of the things that that came to recall in my mind was, and I wanted to ask you and hear your thoughts on this. Have you ever been told growing up, you know what they say about assumptions? It makes you a you know what out of both you and me. But yet people make assumptions about us all the time. But yet we have to never make the assumptions. Mm -hmm. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on that? That's so funny. There, we make assumptions about everything. We do. We do about everything i mean from the restaurants that we haven't been to before that we're showing up to for the first time <laughs> we look at the ambiance the yeah the, the design it's like hmm. <laughs> right 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 <laughs> and that all comes down i believe assumptions come down to our perspective and our attitude on life in general mm. so i think you have those people that are glass half full you have those people that are glass half empty and we can choose to become what kind of person we want to be and that's what I think is so funny is people think they don't have a choice, but they do. And those that know they have a choice, they have depth to them because they can explain their why, you know, but if you don't know that you have a choice, you're just going on throughout life. You're not going to have a why. You're not going to have the strength that you need. You're not going to have the vision you need. You're not going to have momentum to your life. You're not going to be a leader because a leader is someone that sees the, the, the possibility. And unless you can begin to see the possibility, you know, in the assumption, that there might be something good coming your way or to someone else, then you're not going to be able to move. It's going to be difficult. I understand there's, there's times when we have to make assumptions and some of these assumptions are actually in the real world bad and they're yeah. dangerous, but we can still choose to react to it in a positive way. We don't have to get nervous. We don't have to be afraid because we understand that, hey, like, I mean, I'm, I'm called, I'm chosen, just like your shirt says. I'm chosen. Yeah. I, I know that, that I can make a choice right now to be better. That's it. And if you don't want to make that choice, I, all I can do is lead you to the water. But you have to choose to drink on, on your own, you know? And, and so even with the communities that we have, we're called to be leaders in our community. Yeah, we are. We look different for a reason. Like there's a reason why we look different. So we have to utilize that and say, hey, like, yeah, look at me. Look, my obstacle is all over me, but I'm overcoming every day. One of the things that I talk about that I've learned in my journey is that different is okay. Different is beautiful and different is fun. Because one of the things that happened to me with my journey as I continue to walk through alopecia is in the beginning when I lost everything, I started noticing hair more, the textures, mm -hmm. the colors, eyelashes. I started seeing the beauty in it and going through the grieving process because I, one of the things I used to say, because I had big, thick hair like Merida, but dark brown because okay. I'm Puerto Rican. So, <laughs> so it was, it was a bit different, but. I, yeah. I felt Merida's pain. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, one of the things I used to say, because, you know, when you're a kid, and I know you can relate to this, when you're a kid and you just say things, you don't understand the weight of your words, because you also talk about words in your book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> one of the things I used to say when I was a kid, I hate my hair. I wish I had less. And then mm. when I lost everything, that was the first thing that recalled. And I said to myself, wow, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. And how that used to wreck me. Like I said, you talk a lot about words in your book and how that impacted you. 
And one of the things you talked about during your schooling that I really related to was how you didn't really feel seen and how you were battling with the truth of what God says about us and what our family says about us, our loved ones who really do care about us. Mm -hmm. And the length of time that it took you to really find that for yourself. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really believe once you see the evidence of what you say about you coming to fruition, that you begin to look for other voices and other words about what others say about you. And when you find out that even others can say hurtful things about you, you're like, man, okay, who says the right stuff? And so growing up in church, God always seemed to say the right stuff. He was always honest. You know, God was always, you know, in his stories. It was always like God looks at the heart with David. You know, he's seen what other people didn't see. That's exactly what I was going through. Yeah. And I just identified with God's words so much. And, you know, what's what's cool is, you know, I really began to start speaking God's words over my life. I would say more now, more than ever. But it was always my mom that was always speaking God's words over me. You know, don't worry about what those kids say, Sam. You're loved. You're called. You're chosen. God has a big purpose for you. And I would always hold on to that. And now I know where she got it from. And Jeremiah 29, 11 is a scripture in the word. God speaking to Jeremiah saying, for I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. And I'm like, man, if there's a God that's going to give me a hope and a future, yeah, I'll follow you. Let's go. Like, you're bigger than me. You made me. You made the world. I know that my hope, my future is secure. And so we look for security in people and they fail us. We look for security in ourselves and our looks and we fail us. And so where else can we look? And our security and our confidence for what we're going to do in this life and, and knowing that our that next life is covered too is in God and is in his word. And so now what I do is I'll, I'll say declarations mm -hmm. over myself. You know, I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm fearless, I'm confident, you know, and, and what that does is as you begin to speak it, you begin to believe it. It's a, You're renewing you your mind. You got to talk yourself into it. You have to coach yourself, you know, and for a while you need people to coach you. But once you begin to coach yourself, you know, that's where the real progress begins to come in because only you know how much you can do. Oh, yeah. What you said earlier, with what we live through, we discover more of what we can do and the yeah, exactly. that it requires. Because oh, yeah. I feel like with, where I can relate to you, where you say when you started coming to the point with your alopecia journey, where people looking at you and making comments stopped bothering you because you lived with it for so long. Because one of the things that I tell people who are new to the journey or who are still struggling is it's the, one of the first things you need to accept. When we choose to let this vulnerability show willingly, we are automatically saying, and accepting, I'm going to get stares, I'm going to get comments or questions, that's out of my control. But like you said before, I can control how I respond to it, or even if I want to, because you also don't have right. to. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is your dad, because you talk about your dad a lot. And something that stuck out to me was where he says to you, Sammy, you're not a quitter mm -hmm. and made you stick with the things you didn't want to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, first and foremost, you have a great parents. God bless both of them. I am yeah. so grateful for my mom because my mom, I found is very similar to your mom and how um, for me, I didn't have both parents in my life. I always had my mom. So my mom always being that constant showing up, fighting for me, and then seeing that with your parents. I'm like, man, I'm so glad he got both of that. How has that impacted you now as a man mm. in your life, both not just as, as a Christian, but then as someone who's walking through alopecia? Because I know for me, if I didn't have my mom, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, what my dad said is so true. And my mom was always the same way. But whenever I would start something, he'd say, you need to finish it. And, you know, I've always been a finisher. Um, one of the, the most difficult things is, you know, has been for me is really, you know, walking with alopecia and just seeing the toll and the effect that it takes on myself. 
but then also being involved in sports and being involved in other commitments as well. That's an extra thing that now you have to do deal with. And so it can be easy to come up with excuses of why you can be a quitter. But what my dad would always tell me is, no, you're not a quitter. And so don't give up. Keep going. Keep pushing. There's a lot of different sports that I would be trying, like from soccer to swim to I tried t-ball at one point and he, he wouldn't let me quit. He would keep wow. dropping me off. He would keep taking me. And that really showed me the character that I was supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, good, good character. It's not from one day to the next. Good character is a lifelong journey. And we have to begin to see that good character comes from good choices. And the more good choices we begin to make, which are choices that not only will affect us, but, you know, those that we're connected to that are going to help them and encourage them and give them hope. If we begin to develop that mental strength and hold on to that good character, what begins to happen is you begin to be an example. And so what my dad was really teaching me to do was to be an example. And now I I mentor a lot of young men. And, you know, what's really cool is I'm able to help them overcome a lot of their obstacles, but even stay committed to the process because that's oh, yeah. really what my dad was teaching me is that there's a process, son. There's a process. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not an overnight thing. You, you're committed to the process. You know, you're going to begin to grow and you're going to begin to see like just really what you made of. So that's how it's helped me a lot. I like that. He was really teaching you to stay committed to the process. But another question I wanted to ask is that is a very valuable lesson. But I feel like sometimes as we grow and mature, we still have to use wisdom and discernment to really recognize, is this the lane I'm supposed to be in? Is mm-hmm. this what I'm supposed to be to exert that discipline I learned? Yeah. How do you now use wisdom and discernment to recognize where to apply that energy and where not to apply that energy? Because I think sometimes people get confused with that, going down the right avenues versus the wrong ones. That's so true. Well, what I do is I, I keep a mentor in my life now, and then I also have my wife. And so what I do is I'll, I'll run things by my mentor, like today, right? For instance, I'm going later on to, to go and meet um, this, this awesome church and these people, these leaders that put on an event at the Honda Center last year. And so they, they want me to come and to meet them at a concert tonight. And so I'm going to get to know them and meet them. Possibly they'll hire me to come and, and do some music at the Honda Center. So what I'm doing is I know that's my direction because I know that this is something God has gifted me in. I know that I love to do what I'm gifted in. And personally, if I'm doing it from a place of like faith and hope and bringing hope and joy, then I know that's the route that I want to be on. Sometimes to know exactly what you're saying, it can be hard to differentiate what's good and what's supposed to be happening and good. Yeah. time and for the season. And so really, to be honest, I pray. But for those who maybe want to know, okay, is this right? What they can do is they can begin to count the cost. So what I'll do is sometimes for people that I'm helping with something like this or for myself, I'll just begin to write down like a little graph. I'll show you right now. And on the left side of the graph, it'll say, it'll say um, um, the cost. On the right, let's say what's good. So on either side, you know, we're just here on the audio, but you have the cost and you have what's good. Love and it. Side, you're counting the costs. You're writing down, okay, what's the benefit of me making this choice? And what's going to be something that's not going to be good of me making this choice that it might be more of a sacrifice. And so it's important to just take a look at things like that and take an inventory of what, what's coming our way and then bouncing it off of those that are close to you. Definitely. I love that example. And again, that's something else you have to learn how to do is taking the time going like with this podcast for me. Okay. I want to do a podcast or I feel I should do a podcast. That equals time. Right. Do I even want to invest that time? And then you feel Holy Spirit going, yeah, you need to do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That is like you feel the Holy Spirit poking you and pushing you. And you're just like, no, I'm not doing it. And he's like, yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) The penguin gift that knocks you into the water. I've seen that. I've seen that. That's so funny. Every time when I feel like God's pushing me out of my comfort zone, I think of that gift like, and you're done. 
<laughs> Time to go for such. <laughs> That's funny. I'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. You'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll be with you. Right. That's so true. Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. So you love Disney. The first thing you talk about in your book, aside from your family, is your love for Disney. And I was like, this is definitely my brother from another mother. He understands my weirdness. <laughs> I know for me, and I know you can understand this because you do talk about it in your book, is you have a lot of fun, happy memories. Mm-hmm. How did that impact you with someone walking through alopecia? Because I know with me, with my journey, I didn't lose all of my hair to Universalis until I was in my 20s, but I was diagnosed with areata when I was a kid. I was five years old. Okay. But I had. I have so many fun memories at Disney where I think for me, it was a place that, yeah, people noticed me, but then because it's the air quotations happiest place on earth, I never really was made to feel like I was the odd one. How has that experience impacted you as someone who was growing through alopecia? Yeah. Well, one of the the, the things is to always remember, like there's, there is... Disney and then there's like Universal, there's all these different theme parks that are built around your happiness mm-hmm. and they're built around you enjoying yourself and entertainment. And same with vacation. I remember my mom and dad, they took me on a vacation uh, when I was young on a cruise, a Disney cruise. We went to Disney's Island and we went to all these different fun places. And then we went to, um, we did mission trips, right? Mission trips were so fun with the Guatemala, Panama, Ecuador. And I talk about that in the book as well. And you know, all these things were taking me out of my comfort zone, but they were putting me in a, like an easier place. <laughs> right, right. So it was like, it was like from comfort to from comfort to like even more comfort. But the crazy thing is always to remember is in those happy places, regardless if you have to leave your physical location or whether you're turning on, you know, your favorite audiobook and you're just, you're listening and you're just relaxing or you're on the beach or you're hanging out with a buddy, whatever that happy place is, that is, is where you get every excuse to feel like you belong there. Mm. So live them up, live up those happy places and live up those happy places with those people and make those memories. Like, just like you said, you know, me and my wife, we, we want to live up the memories that we have to the fullest extent. And so we, we just ended up getting this little Polaroid camera. We went down to Mexico with her family. Nice. Went to go see, uh, I think it's called the Bufarora. Yeah. It's like this big water spout that comes out and we, we had the Polaroid. So we were just taking pictures. And why do we give it? I mean, we can take pictures with our iPhone. But the reason why we did it was because we wanted to maximize that memory and that time together. And it's the memory is great, but what really makes the memories awesome is the people. And so looking at those people that you can begin to celebrate with, and really those happy memories are big celebrations that you've had along the way. My biggest takeaway from life is make the most out of the small milestones and really celebrate whether you're getting your driver's license, whether yes. you know, you know, your dog, you took your dog to the vet and the dog's fine. You know, whether you You kept up with your oil changes in your car. Yeah. Like look at all those positive things. And that's how you begin to build a positive perspective is you begin Mm -hmm. to stay thankful in those little things. Don't let them pass you by. Don't treat them as if they're nothing. Make them a big deal. And what's great is people want to be with people who celebrate. And then you become a happy place for every person. You become a safe person because what you were talking about before with communities, we learn to discern who are our people, who are safe people. And those safe people will also challenge us. Like your dad telling you, Sammy, you're not a quitter. And then then your mom showing up and teaching you with where you talked about where you still apologize to the bully. But then your mom was like, make sure you tell your son to not put his ear the mother again. (laughs) <laughs> she taught you the valuable lesson, but then she demonstrated it's still not yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I like this mama. She's like mine. <laughs> She's awesome. No, your parents are awesome, honestly. I'm oh, like, I'm so you. glad for this. Yeah, um, great. Well, getting back to living up the happy moments, I have so many stories of character interactions from Disney. Do you have one that has stuck with you that you're just like, man, this, this one day, this character. 
Oh man, let me see. Man, um, I think growing up, I had always loved Stitch. I always loved Stitch because he was just this like this weird character that was like so different. And I was like, I felt like I'm a weird character, it's so different. And so. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I always connected with him a lot. I always watched the movies and stuff. Yeah, that that was my favorite. I I loved the um, and then I went to Hawaii with family for like a vacation. So, you know, seeing him on the on the little screen, and I would always try and like learn the voices of how to do these characters, and and it was it was such a fun time growing up doing Disney and stuff. But you know, it was it was so funny being able to get in the front of the line and stuff having all my friends and stuff like that. So it was crazy. It's wild because when you talk about in, in your book, I call those moments the unexpected perks of alopecia. Yes. Yes. Because that's up there. That's where the assumptions kind of serve you well. It's a weird thing, but it, it's a really <laughs> great perk where you're like, oh, hey, do you want to move to the front of the line? Sure. You don't just, sure. you're just like assuming, but then you're like, yes. <laughs> Let me take one right there. Thanks. <laughs> and then your friends are like, this is nice. I'm like, well, you got to stick with me. That's right. That's right. That's funny. Um, yeah. What? But how has that been for you with those unexpected perks of alopecia? Because I know for some people in their journey, especially if they're new to it, this is going to be hard to hear it. But we have no more bad hair days. We literally can get up and go with no mess. Do you know right. how fun it is to look at the bathroom and know all the hair on the floor is not yours? Yeah. And you don't have to clean it unless what right. your tells you to? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like one of the, the the biggest perks is definitely the grooming, obviously, you know, there. But I would even say um, one of the biggest things is, I mean, with music, it's such a big thing to stand out. You know, you want to look different. You want to be different, especially in a crowd of like, I'm in LA. So there's a lot of people in LA that do music. A benefit is I am doing Christian rap. So you already stand out, but there's not any Christian rappers that I know that don't have hair. You look at someone like Jordan Welsh, who just got drafted to the Celtics. He has alopecia. You know, he stands out. He stands out. And for a while, it was Charlie Villanueva who mm -hmm. was playing, but before when he was retired, it's just so big. I mean, look at Anthony Kerrigan, you know, he's an alopecia actor. He stand out and it's so cool. I think the biggest perk for me has been, to be honest, just the level of influence I've been able to have, I think, with just the community with people. It's so cool. And it's a conversation starter. Like whenever I went, um, I, I haven't told anybody this yet, but um, for our church, what we do is we'll go to, we'll go to the games, we'll go to the hoods and we'll knock on doors and we'll ask them if they have any major needs in their life, we meet those needs, whether it's a fridge or whether it's groceries. And then we invite them to the church. We just show them love first and then we tell them about what we have. And so a I lot of them come. That. And so it's it's really the gospel, you know, and in the early church, they were meeting needs. They were selling their homes for the church. They were doing things like that. So um, we went to this park, the Hoover Park. And Hoover is like a gang, basically. We're over there in LA and we had a few people who used to be associated. So we were protected, so we're good. But we mm. set up a big truck and the side of the, the bed of the truck comes down and it turns into a stage. The stage comes out like a catwalk and it's there in the middle of the park. And all these gang members are here. I come out with all my tattoos and no hair and I get a mic and I just start rapping in front of the gangs and telling them about my life and the, and the songs. And out of nowhere, an entire like helicopter comes over us and you see two cops just running on the sides of the the truck and all the gang just run away <laughs> the benefit of a story like this there are some people that still stayed is right. that they were willing to listen because i just look so different yeah and they're to hear me out and they're willing to you know not come maybe not even come against me so sometimes a lot of the questions can even be helpful because it well, gets yeah. them to question themselves like whoa, okay, should I say anything? Should I not? That's different. And and a lot of times we don't think about that. And so in outreach and in things that I'm doing, even in my community, when I'm reaching out to people, when I'm connecting to people, it helps me build conversation with them and get a conversation going. Um, and it also, you know, gives them an opportunity to show me compassion and build a relationship even quicker, which is cool. So 
there's a lot of times you got to work through a few different things with people to get them to, to see your point of view. But it's easier when you look a little bit different than they do. And now they, they're low-key, like, not forced, but there's a greater opportunity for them to show compassion or to show empathy on your end as a human, as, as an individual. And then as you're building a relationship with them, they see you're an awesome person. And then it's, you're just more vulnerable with them. So I think um, that's kind of how it's helped for sure. I feel like with us and the way we look and that it's a daily choice we continue to make how we learned empathy really quickly because you and I both early on with the bullying that we've lived through, we learned early on hurt people hurt people. And we look at that differently from a very young perspective. We learn to be very empathetic with others around us because the fact that we look so different, those people that you're helping, even though it's not alopecia, they feel different and isolated just the way we feel. So that's common ground. That's right. And, and that's a really good meeting place to go. Well, look at me. I'm tatted up. I have no hair and you still have hair, but you have tats, but you get how I feel, even though the dress yeah, is different. That's right. That's so true. And that's what everybody wants, right? Everybody just wants to be understood. Right. I love that you talked about that in your book because it, it's so true. Everyone just wants to be understood. Mm -hmm. And so I, really, our, our, the strength of our communication lies in how well we understand people. Yeah. If you can listen, if you can understand people, you can get any message across to them, you know, whatever it is. Because if you're listening first, they're going to be willing to listen to you. One of the things that I've noted is that the one of the one things everyone has in common is we've all been through stuff and we've all been broken. So in that, we're all together. That's so true. Yeah, definitely. That's good. I totally agree. So one of the things that you talked about with your music is how it was an escape for you. Mm -hmm. And the way you were able to express yourself in music that you felt like you couldn't in other scenarios of life. I completely understand that because I actually have a background in classical ballet and ballet for me in my life was an escape because I feel with art, no matter what medium it is, it, it really exposes who you are and how you're really feeling. You can't hide in that artistry. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, it's. You, your artistry is an expression of yourself, right? So it's you projecting yourself on a paper, projecting yourself with moves, with dances, and you're, you're exposing and speaking who you are and your commitment and dedication to your craft, to other people. Mm -hmm. You're showing people your commitment through your art to your craft. And it's the most beautiful thing because people do art for different reasons. But the yeah. main reason a lot of times is because of love. And they have a love for the craft or they have a love for their message or they have a love for, you know, their life. And, and so what they do is they take the good things they have in their life or even the bad and they put it together and boom, they have a, an art piece, like maybe a Mona Lisa that's worth millions of dollars now. Or, you know, they have a dance and their dance is, is, is now even, hey, they want to hire that person who came up with this dance and put them on a stage for everyone to see because it's beautiful. And, you know, I think beauty is the good and the bad combined. You know, you can find beauty in both of them because beauty is a perspective, you know, and if we can all have the right perspective, um, I believe it, it truly is going to help bring people together. And that's what art does. Art brings people together. Um, and, you know, from dancing to music, one of the biggest things has been expressing myself. And when I begin to write, it's like it's like a whole nother world. I remember when I began to write like my stories, my testimonies, things I was going through. And then I began to write things that I wasn't going through and things I wanted to accomplish, things I wanted to do. And then I began to put them in a form of a melody and record it and put together a chorus and then show it to my friends or push it out there. It was the best piece of me that I could put together. Mm. And my music helped me, helped me craft that and then express it to others. So I think a lot of times, you know, creative people are just great builders. You know, creative people are just great builders and they, they can build a story. They can they can build a, a great representation of themselves and, and give it to others. But I think that where, where the the um, the challenge comes in for a lot of creatives is beginning to build themselves and beginning to build others. And what I mean by build is encourage or strengthen or even mentor. And I think that's the next step for every artist. That's the next step for every creative, because. 
if you love the art so much, you want it to continue, not just with you, but leave a legacy in an apprenticeship, you know? And so a lot of times there's been people in my life, especially now, where they not only come to me for like help and questions and things like that, but I'm able to help them walk through maybe how to be a husband or how to be a man of God or how to have a stronger marriage or how to, whatever it may be. And it doesn't have to just do with my alopecia, but certain things that I've learned through dealing with alopecia now comes out here. And so the artistry, the true artistry that we all have as human beings is truly being able to build up each other and creatively help problem solve for other people so that they can begin to experience the fullness of everything that we're called to be. You have so much in there I want to unpack. And the first thing is starting with yourself because, and again, I know you can relate to this, when you start working on yourself in healing, learning who you are first and foremost, identifying what you truly like and what your giftings are, how even your art evolves over time. So true. How has your music evolved? Because, and I know you just talked about it a little bit, but if you can go a little bit deeper yeah. over time with all the seasons you've walked through and the more as you continue to learn who you are and how you change with the life experiences you grow through, because that's the other component of it is recognizing whatever you live through is going to change you. Right. Well, I, I, it changed like this. As I began to go through things on my own and could barely handle the things I was going through on my own, I would run to the music. Now, as I began to get a little bit stronger, I began to run to God. And then I began to use the music as a tool to help others run to God. So that was the greatest thing I could offer them now. It wasn't the music that's the greatest thing or the end all be all now. Now it's the boom. I have this as a tool to get people somewhere. So it just changed. There, there became a purpose to the gift that I had. So when it was just for me, I was really writing about like depression, things I was going through, which are great for people to relate to. But mm -hmm. if you just relate to people, there's no momentum or, or purpose to the relationship because you're staying there in that place. But if you realize, hey, I've been equipped. I'm the leader behind the scenes, behind my art. I'm actually growing. I'm actually taking responsibility. I have a mentor. I'm listening, I'm growing, I'm applying. Then what happens is everything that you have at your disposal becomes a tool so that you can do the same thing for somebody else. And so for my music, how it's changed is it's always been about my struggle before I really became committed to God, really committed to allowing God to use me in my alopecia to help people to build and strengthen communities and people. And then what happened was it shifted from that to now, I'm really focused on using it as a tool and not just music now. Now I, I did an audio book and now I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking this Sunday. What's cool is I just did an event at the, the Pico Rivera arena in front of 5,000 or 6,000 people was able to speak about my alopecia. I'm able to do podcasts like this and it just gets wider when it becomes a tool. Mm -hmm. But when it's for everything, it's only one thing. No, that's really important, widening the scope of it. And then, um, yeah, to what you're saying, again, what we said before, the opportunities that come with it are just right. so, so true, man. Um, <laughs> another thing I wanted to touch on briefly was you are happily married. You have a beautiful yeah. <laughs> What was that like for you growing up, walking through alopecia relationships? Because, again, I know you can understand this. We go through hard times where we don't feel attractive. We feel like we have a season that we go through where we don't think different is okay, beautiful and fun. We think it's very isolating and distorted. What was that like for you in your journey and, and healing and growing in your relationship with God and learning to accept the truth in that, yeah, I'm different, but it's not going to isolate me. It's going to propel me. I know you've talked about that already, but in terms of relationships, yeah. How has, how has that been for you? It's really good. I think for me, the more I began to have healthy relationships where there is compassion on both ends, like we were talking about, I began to see the, the lack or hurt or pain and damage that other people have been through and began to see it on the spectrum of what I've been through. 
And I began to, like we're saying, not only relate, but actually want to help them. And when you get to that place, you start seeing all the good you're doing and how much you're helping. And little by little, you stop focusing so much on, man, I need help. And it's not that you can't receive it. You do still receive it. But you know that there's a bigger purpose on this earth than just you. If you were the only person on this earth, or if we were the only people on this earth, then there wouldn't be much of a purpose beyond us. But because there's more people on this earth, we understand that everybody has to be connecting with each other. There's more to, to life than just me. And so what I had to begin to get over was that, you know, yes, this had happened to me, but if I stay here, it's deadly. But if I grow and if I widen my knowledge of my identity, like you're saying, if I grow in my understanding of who I truly am, if I don't let this define me, what I can then do is now I can be a tool, not only to just my music or whatever it is, now I can be used by God to begin to help others in their growth and in their understanding of their identity. Because the truth is, once you have the identity as a son or a daughter of God, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you've been through. You know, you have somebody who maybe is in China right now who's preaching the gospel, who maybe lost an arm because they're preaching the gospel, or maybe they cut, they got their fingers cut off or some crazy, like, but they're not like sad over what had happened. They, they choose to move on, you know, and, and it's not like it didn't happen, but the fact is that we're still moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just such a big thing is to continue to move forward. You know, I, I think people around us want us to move forward. People want to move forward. And just beginning to see like people are going through things. People need help. The doors that we're knocking on, people don't even know if they're going to eat today at our church, what we're doing. Like, like there's people that are like hungry. There's really big problems in the world. But if we can learn to overcome this problem, then we can be such a resource to the other problems that are around us. Definitely. And then how has that impacted your relationship with your wife and, and the way you serve her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say, it's, it's impacted it quite a lot. Um, the biggest thing is, is that, you know, when I first began to meet, meet her and talk with her and things like that, she had first seen me on the stage at our church. We have about uh, about a 3,000 member church. So like every service, we have about three or so thousand. You stood out. It was, yeah, I did. I stood out. And they love when I do like different songs that I've written. And so I was up there. And it was like New Year's Eve. And the funny thing is my mentor was actually going to introduce me to her after the service. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but, I, but I went home early because I was so tired. I was like, I just want to chill. I just want to hang out with my friends. And so what I ended up doing was um, I, I, I connected with her about coffee, went to Starbucks, started talking. And the first thing I was going to do, I'm like, let me come together with her on what her vision is for her life. Mm. And I'll, I want to bring what my vision is for my life and see if they match up. And they did. Both of our visions were missions. So we got a chance after we got married, you know, to go even on a mission trip to Kenya and to go to one of our orphanages out there with our church and just spend time with the kids out there. And like, I got to rap and I got to, I rap battle the Kenyan rapper out there. And it was nice, like, man. <laughs> it was so fun. We, it was so cool because they, they see, a, you know, this American guy and they don't even, I mean, the, what's cool about that though, is like, they don't even see me different now. Like, it's like, they, then you see it on eyebrows, things like that, but they're so like people in other countries, like they're just, you know, they're, especially in those countries, they're just happy to see an American. Like they're like, oh, look at this American guy rapping. But, but besides the point, you know, the coolest thing with me and Lex is we've always been about purpose. And I, that's one of the biggest things is, you know, you guys have to see what is your vision? Because if you don't have a vision for both of you, especially as maybe the male of the, of the, you know, family, or, you know, even used, and as the woman of the family, you have to have a strong vision and know your purpose and direction for life. Because if you don't, you're going to think your direction lies in where you lack. And you're just getting mm. caught up complaining. You're going to get caught up, stuck. You're going to get caught up in, in a, a sad place because you're not moving forward. And it's, it's when we allow our failures or our shortcomings to keep us from moving forward that we feel like a failure or a shortcoming because we have nowhere else to go. And so we begin to speak what we see. So that's the biggest thing for me and Lex. And, you know, once we got married, we just started doing ministry together, serving people here, moved out to LA, started two churches out here with the, the main organization. And, you know, things have been going really well. She teaches in Compton. She's a teacher. Um, every time her students see me, they're like, it's Mr. Piku. 
They they love me. <laughs> so cute. I love that. You know, but uh, but yeah, I would say vision is is a big part that's gonna fix any kind of problems that may arise and things like that. That's a very good point, and I think that'll help a lot of people, especially if they hope to enter into a relationship with someone that's their person. And again, that comes to knowing yourself, knowing your gifts, how you want to use your gifts, and getting that clarity of where am I going to go to? Because then when that right person comes along, like what happened with you and your wife, you were able to identify that. That's so true. Yeah. You got to find a need. You got to meet a need. Find a need, meet a need. When you do that. T-shirt quotes, man. (laughs) When you find a need and you meet a need, then what happens is you gain influence. People can come together around a need. Mm. You know, come together. Like whether it's building wells in Africa for kids and families that don't have any water or whether it's, you know, feeding the homeless on Thanksgiving or maybe it's not Thanksgiving, you go to Skid Row and you just feed the homeless there. Like, you know, if you find a need and you meet a need, what happens is you begin to become known as a problem solver Mm. and then people want to be around someone who's a problem solver. People don't necessarily always want to be around the person who's bringing up problems all the time. And so that's why, you know, you have toxic relationships, you have people that gossip, you have people that are divisive and eventually people that get in fights or bully others. And so that's why as a problem solver, we begin to meet needs in other people's lives or we allow God to meet the needs in us or, you know, that's where the vision comes from. And problem solvers always have vision. They know what to do and just got to practice it. You have to look for it too, because like you said, it's around you. I mean, just actually looking right under your nose. It could literally be you go to Starbucks and you see the person there, the cashier, they're sad. They're having a bad day. And there's a little tip jar right there. And, but what you do is you say, Hey, I don't know what it is, but you're one of the greatest cashiers at Starbucks I've ever had. And they begin to break down. They begin to cry and smile because why? They thought they were the worst at it. And maybe it was their first day. And all you had to do was just speak some encouragement. And what did you do? You solved the problem. And then now maybe you leave a dollar in the tip jar. What's going to be more valuable to them are the words that you spoke over them. And so even like a lot of us, we can notice that people are hurting, but if we don't step out and do something about it, we're never going to be able to do something about the things that we're going through. So we have a world of opportunity around us to begin to practice it. And I'm going to break that down a little bit more because with the Starbucks example, I went to a Starbucks location, I don't know how long ago, but the barista that was working there, he had a lot of cool tattoos just like you on his arms. They weren't like a complete sleeve, but like a tattoo here, a tattoo there. And he had this beautiful one of an Egyptian queen. I mean, like it was clean. The lines were crisp, the shading. I mean, it was just something about that tattoo that I was really admiring it. And when he came up and asked me for my order, I gave him the order. I said, you know what, man? I just got to tell you, I I love this tattoo of this Egyptian queen you have, man. It is so clean, crisp. I love the detail. It's well suited to you. You rock that well. The look on this dude's face. Like, I don't know what he was going through, but... It changed in that moment. He was so happy. He was so grateful. And who knows what happened to him for the rest of the day, just because I took a moment to actually acknowledge something that I thought was very cool. Well, what it comes down to is you're, and talking about t-shirts, I'm getting all this for books. I read books. says you're a thermometer, not a, no, you're a thermostat, not a thermometer. Oh. So you change the atmosphere everywhere that you go. And you have to understand you're an atmosphere changer. You change the climate. And so what does an atmosphere changer do? Number one, they know what the atmosphere is like. They understand what the atmosphere is like. So not only did you speak into that guy's life, you encouraged him, hey, maybe he needed that. But you also, you changed the atmosphere. Maybe some person heard you next to them. They're like, wow, there's still hope in humanity, you know, or who knows what it was like. And so understanding that, Number two, what they do is they speak the atmosphere that they want. Mm. And so you knew the attention that this is an atmosphere that this person is dealing with, or this is something that they're going through. Maybe I just think it's a cool thing or whatever. I want to speak on it. The fact that you did that, leaders change the atmosphere. They don't just take the temperature. They change the atmosphere. And so, because they know what's required. Yeah. But how can that happen unless we start to change the atmosphere in our own lives? 
And so I remember some things I used to do, speaking of words, um, you know, I used to go to my mirror and I used to do this a couple of years back. I would write it down on the mirror. You are called, you are chosen, you're a man of God, you're faithful, you have strength, you have power, nothing can defeat you, you're an overcomer. And I would write these things on my mirror. I would a finisher. Say, yeah, right? And you say these things and then you believe these things, you know, and it's the same with everything. Like everything you've ever been taught, you believe it and now you live it, right? It's the truth yeah. with everybody. Like that's how it works. And so whatever you're taught, if you truly believe it and walk it out, it'll be in your life and you'll get the results of that. So if you begin to say these things, you know, you begin to truly believe them. And then the results and the work you put in looks a lot like that. Um, because what you're saying is identity. These mm. are the attributes of the person that you want to become. And that's what I mean by vision is what vision, the reason why it's so powerful, but what's even more powerful is the work is because when vision and work come together, now you have change. And so it's important for us to know where we want to be or who we want to be in five years. Because then we can work backwards and determine those attributes we want to say over ourselves or over the people. So, well, with the example you did before, write the vision, make the make it plain, so those who read it can run with it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Run with it too. I mean, like that's it's so. As, as my pastor says, football reference: run the play. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yeah. That's so my pastor has a lot of T-shirt sayings. He doesn't put on T-shirts too, but that's one of them. And then another one he says all the time is like, the only reason why I'm staying in the membrane is because of the Holy Spirit. It's <laughs> <laughs> in the membrane. That's cool. It's good, man. It's good. But yet yeah, to what you were also saying that we should also know, the work that we do is work and it is going to take time. And make sure you give yourself grace in the process because learning a new thing also requires unlearning the wrong things. And that's not an easy feat at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. We have to come to a place where we're okay with not knowing everything. You know, that, and that's, that's hard to do. It's a very hard thing to do. And, and I think how we practice that is we read. Every mm -hmm. day, what I'll do is, whether it's the Bible or, you know, I'll read even like, um, I always read the Bible, but when I when I also read, I don't know if it's here, but right now I'm reading um, a leadership book, you know, and it's helping me grow. And I'm reading about habits and how habits can change things. And it's by James Clear. And, Ooh. and it's, it's so cool. It's Atomic Habits. And when I'm reading it, every new thing I'm learning, I'm writing it down and I'm teaching it to my teens. And when you read it, you're a leader. You can lead it. You just have to apply it. And so that's why it's important and it keeps us humble to read and to learn new things every day. And then to reflect on those things, write down what you're learning, write down what you went over. So that way you're going over that experience again, you're learning it even more, and then you're able to apply it even more. So, you know, I, I totally agree. You know, we, it's very hard to come to that kind of place, but anything with practice, if we begin to practice it more, we begin to see just how good it is for us to know that we don't know everything because really what really begins to change our results is the research because there's so much research that's out there when you come in contact with a problem, you know, just like on the open book tests, when you didn't know the answer to the test, but you went to the open book, you got all the research right, right there. You can just find the answer and then just plug it in. There's so much out there. So. Oh yeah, definitely. To what you said before, be committed to the process because you're not a quitter. That's right. Oh. Well, Another thing that I like to do on the show is ask all of my guests what three words of encouragement or a phrase or a sentence or something else you just want to share that's on your heart to encourage someone either who's newly diagnosed or has been in it for a minute, but mm -hmm. just needs some, some good verbiage of encouragement. Mm -hmm. What would you tell that person right now listening? Yes. Three words I would say is keep moving forward keep moving forward and what i mean by forward is is when you think of a swat trainer or a swat leader these different swat people that go in little example what they'll do is they'll come up behind each other and they'll either grab each other's arm the swat teams when they're invading a home or whatever to take out the bad guys or they'll tap them on the shoulder and why they do that is because the swat team leader is trained to always continue to look forward. 
they're never going to look back. If they look back, it's not good news. And so as they're trained to always look forward, they understand that where they're headed is always forward. It's not backwards. It's not to the side or the left of them. And so always keep moving forward and let that be a training for you and let the people who are going into your situation or into your obstacle with you begin to be a support for you from behind you, from beside you. Understand you're a part of a team. You're part of a community. There's resources. There's things that are available to you so that you don't have to feel alone in this, but so that you can have some kind of direction. Don't go through life without some kind of direction. If you're doing life without direction, you're doing life the wrong way. You're supposed to have direction. You're supposed to have movement. And when you have movement, it makes life exciting. You know, we're all going to pass away one day. And really, that's the greatest problem that only Jesus could solve. But when you really put your hope in your future with Jesus and with God, I want you to understand that you can choose to keep moving forward regardless of whatever obstacle may come your way, whether it's death one day or whether it's whether it's you lost a family member, whether you're going through a hard time in your marriage, whether you're going through a divorce, you're trying to get out of this situation, choose to push through it and pray and ask God for a really great strategy. And you can get that strategy. If you're not religious, maybe you have someone in your life that knows God, begin to ask them to help you problem solve on what you're going through. You know, and don't stay the same. You all, we always need to change. Change is a, is a scary thing, but change is always forward. The change that you want in your life is always forward. And it has to do with hope. It has to do with a new life. It has to do with, with love. It has to do with sacrifice. And how many know that when you sacrifice 100%, you're everything to something, you get that very best result back. And so move forward with everything that you have. I have the standards. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Um, Samuel, Sammy, Sam, I have to celebrate you because you, sir, are my first gentleman on the show. So thank you so much for that and just being completely vulnerable and honest. And man, this is a great conversation. Thank you for so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I appreciate you. Yay. I also got to know, who's your favorite Star Wars character? <laughs> Growing up, I loved... Um, I mean, I see the R2-D2 there in the back right there. In, outside, outside that's the Galaxy's Edge. I got it from the Droid Depot. <laughs> oh, really? That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, no, I got I got him. And then over here, I got some lightsabers in the back. <laughs> oh, sick. Yeah, dude. I, I, um, yeah, it would definitely be R I, I, probably R2-D2. R2-D2 is cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's cool. Oh, oh man, so thank, thank you so much, man. 